0: Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Cravener.
1: Well, hey there, everyone, and thanks for joining me for another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. I'm Veronica Cravener, your host, and today I'm thrilled that we have Jay Santiago on the show. Jay's going to talk to us about what every mediator should know about the Singapore Convention on Mediation. So here's a little bit of information about Jay. Jay. Jay is an attorney in the Philippines and a qualified solicitor in England and Wales. His practice focuses on international dispute resolution, alternative dispute resolution, and insolvency. He's a member of the expert pool of Benchmark Chambers International and Benchmark International Mediation Center. He's an accredited arbitrator of the Philippine Dispute Resolution Center. Office for Alternative Dispute Resolution Center of the Philippines and the Philippine International Center for Conflict Resolution. He's a contributor to the book, Mediation Asia and Foreign Investment and Investment Arbitration in Asia. And he regularly speaks at events organized by many, many ADR organizations. So, hey, Jay, with that, welcome to the show and thank you for coming on the Mediate.com podcast.
0: Hello, Veronica. Good evening to you. And thank you for for having me for for this podcast. Looking forward to our discussion.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. And hey, I should say good morning to you. So I should share with our listeners. So you're in the Philippines right now. I'm in the United States right now. And there is a 12 hour time difference between the two of us, I believe, right?
0: Right. And and I think the time zone difference is just perfect for you and I. I'm a morning person and I think uh, you got to finish all your stuff with your kids and being a, a mom, you know, for all, the entire day and you have the evening all, all for yourself for this.
1: I know. I know this worked out perfectly because just as we are recording, my little one is uh, winding down and going to bed. So this worked out perfectly. I'm glad. I'm glad we were able to find a time that works for both of us. Great, great. All right, well, cool. Well, let's get to it. So I'll share with our listeners. So um, I've never mediated any international commercial disputes before. And, you know, Jay was so kind to to send me a bunch of information about the Singapore Convention on Mediation. And I was so excited to have you on the show because I think, you know, uh, this is a really great topic. And um, I think every mediator should know at least a little bit about a lot of different areas. And so I know this is something that's new. And, you know, Jay, I, I've heard you say, it and I've heard others say it, that basically, the Singapore Convention on Mediation sort of does for mediation, what the New York Convention does for arbitration. So I'm just wondering, for those of us who aren't familiar with the Singapore Convention, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: All right. Um, well, thanks for that question, and thanks for comparing it to the New York Convention. Uh, just to just to make sure that, that you know the audience understands what the New York Convention is, um, allow me to just have a brief overview as well of the New York Convention. So the the New York Convention is the convention on the recognition and enforcement of foreign arbitral awards, and <clears throat> the New York Convention applies to the recognition and enforcement of. Um, um, as I mentioned, foreign arbitral awards, and that this really means that if there's an arbitral award that is seated in a foreign jurisdiction, and it, and then its recognition and enforcement is sought in another jurisdiction, then the courts of that jurisdiction where enforcement is sought is required to um, recognize and enforce that arbitral award. And for the longest time, um, the That has been the feature of international arbitration that the um, parties uh, to a dispute find very helpful in um, cross-border disputes Um, and this is really the enforcement mechanism that for them is really important and for the longest time that's been the problem for mediation Um, because for mediation um, if you have a mediated settlement agreement sometimes you just really have to go to courts again and relitigate or go to another arbitration if there's an arbitration clause in your mediated settlement agreement. With the Singapore Mediation Convention, um, more properly known as the United Convention on International Settlement, International Convention on um, Settlement Agreements resulting from mediation, then there is now a mechanism to enforce uh, an international mediated settlement agreement broad. So that kind of fills in the gap on, on mediation that has always been the problem with mediation before. And I think with the um, rising costs of arbitration, more and more parties are more interested to really look at or explore the possibility of having mediation as the primary source I mean as the primary mode of dispute settlement for cross-border disputes. Um, I guess just a little more background to it, the Singapore Mediation Convention, or the Convention on International Settlement Agreements resulting from mediation, was first released for signature in August of 2019. So it's been um, more than two years now since it was released for signature. Now, you ask whether it's now in force. Yes, it's now in force. um, And it came into force when the third country um, ratified it. The third country is Qatar. And it ratified the convention sometime in March 2020. And based on the convention, the um, convention shall take effect six months after the ratification of the third country. So um, if you count that from March 12, 2020, then it took effect sometime um, September 2020. So it's really now in effect. Now, the current status of it is um, there are 52 around 52 signatories, including the U.S., um, China, and India. Um, but currently, there are only seven countries that have ratified it. So these countries are these countries are Belarus, Ecuador, Fiji, Honduras, Qatar, um, Saudi Arabia, and of course Singapore. Um, so right now, it um, as I mentioned, there are a lot of countries that have signed it around 52 countries. Um, but only seven countries have rat- ratified it. Uh, so potentially, we have you know, over 40 countries that are going to ratify this um, convention in the near future. With that, um, that means that the Singapore Mediation Convention um, can potentially um, take effect to, uh, on you know, more than 52 countries all over the world. So if, if that happens, um, then... I think mediation is gonna really just catapult into every in-house councils or disputing parties list of preferred modes of dispute settlement. Mediation is, um, I think, perceived to be much, much cheaper and much, much faster than international arbitration. So yeah very, very looking forward to, you know, what the mediation convention can do to the industry.
1: Yeah, and it definitely it sounds like that's that's really big news there. And so I was just sort of wondering, you know, for those of us who might not be familiar with sort of the the terminology and treaties. um, Can you tell us, I mean, what's the difference? uh, I think you mentioned 50 some odd signatories. And then seven or so countries have ratified the convention. Can you tell us what's the distinction between signatories versus countries that have
0: ratified? All right. The signatories are kind of just countries that say that we will will commit to have this um, in effect in our country. But um, in other words, they commit that they will do uh, what is required under their local laws to make sure that the treaty will take effect. And, and that can be in you know either by ratifying it by acceding to it um, you know there are a lot of terms that can be used to it um, to to make sure that the treaty will be in effect in that country uh, so so in other words we have 52 commitments to have this convention um, uh, to be in effect in their countries and seven have already um, done that. Uh, thus far, as at least as of yesterday, when I checked the the status of the Singapore Mediation Convention, seven half. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well. Thanks. Thanks for that addition. And, and I wonder intro. when
0: the US will will ratify it. <laughs> 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 Hopefully soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So right. I was I was curious too, and I I know you mentioned so this is this is related to the um uh international settlement agreements resulting from mediation, but I know it's not just any type of international settlement agreements, right? Like it's, it's just for commercial disputes. Is that it? International commercial disputes?
0: That's right. That's right. So that's something that I think we need to highlight here. The type of mediated settlement agreement that you can enforce under the Singapore Mediation Convention must be international in nature. It must be in writing, and it should resolve a commercial dispute. Um, When we say international, it means that the place of business of at least two parties are from different states. Or if the parties are from the same places of business, then the place of the substantial performance should be different or if the place of business is the same, uh, the subject matter of the settlement agreement is most closely connected to another state. So so that kind of satisfies the international requirement of the settlement agreement. Um, Now with respect to commercial, the definition of commercial is very broad. Um, Anything that can be under the sphere of, I don't know, commercial that is commercial in nature anything that there's an exchange of goods um, exchange of um, financial instruments um, then that can be covered by the term commercial um, I think what is also um, what oh yeah, a good way for us to understand uh, what the commercial means is what is not covered by the Singapore mediation convention um, And because we're talking about settlement agreements here that resulted from mediation, settlement agreements that are enforceable as a judgment or as an arbitral award are not covered by the Singapore Mediation Convention. If your settlement agreement becomes a judgment, or you know it was converted to an arbitral award, then certainly there are other mechanisms for enforcement. Um, If it's an arbitral award, then it can be uh, under the New York Convention, and if it's a judgment, then you can just enforce it. Um, as a foreign judgment in another jurisdiction, which has its own um, enforcement mechanism. Settlement agreements that have been approved um, by a court or concluded in the course of proceedings before a court are also not um, enforceable under the Singapore Mediation Convention. As um, I mentioned, the Singapore Mediation Convention only covers mediated settlement agreements that that were um, result that were resulting from a mediation. So if the uh, in if the settlement agreement resulted from you know a court proceeding or um, something that was approved by a court, then it doesn't fall anymore under the Singapore Mediation Convention. Um, and because we said it should be commercial settlement agreements concluded for personal, family, or household purposes, um, or a consumer a consumer dispute, for instance. As well as settlement agreements resulting to, oh, relating to um, family inheritance or employment law, they are not covered by the Singapore Mediation Convention. Um, and of course, if the settlement agreement is not international in nature, then it's not covered also by the Singapore Mediation Convention.
1: Yeah, so all of that is really good. It's really good to know. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, I know your practice area focuses on international dispute resolution. And you know, from what you're seeing in your practice, I mean, do you think as, you know, more and more countries ratify the convention, do you think you're going to see your clients switching from, you know, choosing arbitration as a way to resolve these international commercial disputes to going towards mediation because of the convention?
0: Um, I I think there is more curiosity as to go into mediation. Certainly, well, well, in the Philippines, even before the Singapore mediation convention, there's already um, a, a, an enforcement mechanism for. I mean, locally, there's an enforcement mechanism of uh, for. Um, mediated settlement agreements. Um, We didn't need the Singapore Mediation Convention to enforce it. Um, All you you need to do is just to go to a court and deposit the mediated settlement agreement. And in case of a breach of the settlement agreement, the other party can just go back to that court and request uh, summary proceedings for the enforcement of the a mediated settlement agreement, and there's no need to relitigate everything or go to arbitration or to commence another um, case. Um, so so certainly the 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 interest of parties on going to mediation has always been there. And the fact that there's already this mediate this um, Singapore mediation convention only increases that interest of parties to go to mediation. So far, still the problem is the cross-border enforcement of mediated settlement agreements, and that's still a huge concern. Um, So the thing is, parties now are getting, are are putting mediation in their, at least least from the the clauses that I've seen, parties are putting um, mediation clauses, I mean, multi-tiered dispute resolution clauses in their... Um, commercial contracts. So instead of just saying that courts that that disputes will go to courts in case of a dispute, um, they would say that you know we need to go to mediation first, before going to court or we need to go to mediation first before to before we go to arbitration. So there's always that tier of of there, that mediation tier as a prerequisite before going to either court litigation or to arbitration. And That relief, um, even without the Singapore Mediation Convention, the fact that parties are already including uh, these mediation tiers in their dispute resolution clauses um, is already something that is, um, I think, a good development for, for mediators. Um, it really opens up um, additional uh, opportunities for mediators and, uh, in, in commercial disputes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could really see that. And so I guess I'm wondering, you know, now that you mentioned it it could potentially open up more opportunities for mediators. I mean, if there are mediators out there who maybe have never mediated international commercial disputes before, but, you know, they listen to our episode and they start to think, well, hey, maybe this is something I'm interested in getting into. I mean, do you have any recommendations about how someone could, you know, start to mediate international commercial disputes? Like, mm-hmm. like, what's the first step?
0: Right, right. Well, um, well, if you're already a mediator, I would assume that a mediator already knows their stuff, right? So um, their continuous uh, <laughs> developed I mean, professional development is there. So um, I think learning about the Singapore Mediation Convention is is one of the first steps that one should do um, if you are already thinking of expanding your practice to international commercial disputes. Um, That's one thing. And there are plenty of resources in the internet as to know what what the Singapore Mediation Convention is. Um, The next thing is also expanding your your network. Um, If your network is very local, then what are the chances that you will get um, cases that involve international disputes? Um, what one can do can be you know getting out of your own jurisdiction and trying to reach out and network to other jurisdictions. The, this APAC region is full of, I'm not saying full of disputes, but it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's an area where it's an area where, development is really, really quick, really fast. And as we know, if, if there is a lot of development in an area, chances of disputes are also high. And um, and I think the Asia Pacific region is one of those areas where there's really a lot of developments going on. And, and it's no wonder that a lot of mediation centers and arbitral institutions have set up shop in, in that area. For instance, the ICC Um, And maybe just note that these arbitral institutions also provide mediation services. Um, So they're not just um, focused on arbitration. Um, You know, the ICC has opened its office in Hong Kong in around 2008 and around what, three or four years ago, they also opened an office in Singapore. The fact that this institution already had um, an office in Asia and then they just opened up another one in Asia really shows the demand, the huge demand for, um dispute resolution services in, in Asia. And if you look at the most preferred arbitral institutions in the world, you'll find that the HKIAC, the Hong Kong International Arbitration Center and um, the Singapore International Arbitration Center are among the most preferred in the top five. I think in the top three, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think Singapore and Hong Kong are the top choices for dispute resolution um, in in Asia, and and this also mirrors the um, the increase of ADR institutions in China. It, before, it used to be just CTAC, which is the more well known um, arbitral ADR institution there. But now, um, each major city already has its own ADR center. Um, so, and, and not just in 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 China. The if you look at the various ASEAN jurisdictions, there the there are additional. There are more and more ADR institutions that are being established. Um, for instance, in the Philippines, we used to have the Philippine Dispute Resolution Center um, only, but recently there was another institution, the Philippine International Center for Conflict Resolution, that was also established. In Thailand, there used to be one local um, arbitral uh, institution, but now they also set up the Thailand Arbitration Center. Uh, so the the growth. In the in this region is an opportunity for practitioners from outside this region to you know reach out to this region and you know have a look at you know what they can offer to to users um, potential mediation arbitration parties in in the region and you, how do you now reach out I mean it's really it's not that difficult, I guess, but uh, it's really just, um, you know, communicating to them, telling them your intention that you are this um, mediator with experience in these types of disputes and asking if you can be accredited and asking for accreditation requirements in these institutions. And and if you submit, you know, the relevant requirements, then you can be accredited by these institutions. Or if you don't want to reach out, or maybe in addition also to reaching out to arbitral institutions, you can also reach out to um, arbitration and ADR organizations in the region. The Chartered Institute of Arbitrators also has a very good mediation practice in, in the area. So, you know, reaching out to these organizations would Know, expand your network and at the same time give you an opportunity to learn more about the practice in, in the region. And with that type of cross-border practice, then I think your I mean the chances of you getting international disputes in the future would be higher.
1: Yeah, those were all really great pointers. Thank you for mentioning those. So, you know, one more thing I'm, I'm really curious to get your perspective on. So, uh, like I said at the beginning of the episode, you were so kind to send me some information so I could I could prep for this episode. And so in one of the videos that I was watching, so it talked about how with the Singapore convention, there's um, grounds for refusing to enforce the settlement under the convention. And I talked about how one of those grounds was for, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially I understood it to be like mediator misconduct, right? Mm. And it also kind of pointed out how, but at the same time, there's no uh, universal code of conduct for mediators. So I guess, as we, you know, kind of talk about, um, I guess, the rolling out of, of the implementation of the convention in different countries around the world, I mean, do you think something like that is maybe like an opportunity for the mediation community to like start talking about some universal standards for like code of conduct or kind of what are your thoughts?
0: Hmm. I, I think it's, it would be good to have um, a universal code of conduct for mediators. Um, so, um, universal in a sense that perhaps there can be a model, um, a model mediation code for mediators that I think institutions or organizations can adopt and tweak for their own purposes, and I know I only see this because um, mediation is very culture specific, also, and I, I think it's difficult to have a universal one. But maybe if we have a model um, code of conduct, that, that is something that parties can then tailor for their own use in their own region. Um, but you know, you mentioned about that ground, and one of the and one of the um, criticisms, or at least comments, about that ground is, you know, there's what do you, what are the applicable standards to the mediator or the mediation? Um, what are they, what are those applicable standards? What are you talking about? Um, well, there are applicable there are standards out there, and these standards can be found in mediation laws, and these can be found by oh, this, these can be found being imposed by various mediation associations. There are standards that are imposed by mediation institutions or ADR institutions. And there are standards found in the applicable mediation rules. Uh, So it's really to make sure that, I think for me personally, uh, as a practitioner, to make sure that a mediated settlement agreement will not be refused enforcement on this ground there was a serious breach by the mediator of standards applicable to the mediator or the mediation. It would it should be, I, I think it is prudent to include in the mediation agreement or even in the settlement agreement the applicable mediation standards to the mediation. So it's just really making sure that it's very clear from the beginning what the applicable standards are. It doesn't have to be something universal, but again, the parties and also their councils, if they are being assisted by counsel, And of course the mediator should be very mindful of indicating somewhere in the records. And as I said, most preferably in the mediation agreement or in the settlement agreement, indicating the applicable standards to the mediator or the mediation.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, thank you for that. Well, Jay, this has been a really great episode. I feel like I got a really good primer on the Singapore Convention on Mediation, and um, I really appreciate your tips on sort of how mediators can, you know, start to get involved in international commercial mediation. I mean, this is all this is all really helpful. Thank you so much.
0: I think it's a good time for the mediation community to take this opportunity to, um, I guess, build up their profile, build up their experience to make sure that when the opportunity arises uh, in, in view of the adoption of the um, Singapore Mediation Convention, then, you know, you are ready for these types of, of disputes. Um, it's uh, I'm really hoping and, and I really think that this convention will, um, will be similar to the effect that, that the New York convention has made to the arbitration community. Uh, And it's only really a matter of time until that happens.
1: Very cool, very cool. Well, hey Jay, how can others learn more about your work or connect with you if they wanna continue the conversation after this episode?
0: All right, well, thanks for asking that. (laughs) Um, Of course, I'd, I'd love to continue Uh, this collaboration um, with you Um, hopefully in the future we can also have a chat and when things are are better I hope to visit you also uh, in the U.S. hopefully and um, I hope to also meet more um, mediation practitioners get to know more mediation practitioners from your side of the globe. Um, I recently started working for a tech company to focus more on the tech industry however I am still very active in the ADR community and I still continue my ADR practice including Um, acting as an arbitrator and as a mediator. Um, I constantly am working with various ADR organizations in the Philippines and the Asia Pacific region, including the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, the Asian Institute for Alternative Dispute Resolution, the Hong Kong International Arbitration Center, the Thailand Arbitration Center, the Asian International Arbitration Center, and as you mentioned earlier, with the Philippine Dispute Resolution Center, the Philippine International Center for Conflict Resolution, and the Philippine Institute of Arbitrators. Um, And if they want to connect with me and learn more about these organizations, um, then please feel free to add me on LinkedIn. You can just search for my name, J. Patrick Santiago, on LinkedIn. if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, I think you should have one, <laughs> but if you don't, re- if you really don't want to have a LinkedIn profile and still want to connect, please feel free to email me at Jay That's J-A-Y Santiago at J-A-Y Santiago.net.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And that's a good reminder for me. Um, when we finish this recording, I'm going to go send you a LinkedIn connection request.
0: <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'll be waiting for it, and I'll accept right. it immediately.
1: <laughs> all right, all right, sounds good. Well, hey Jay, it has been so nice to meet you, and uh, I'm so happy that we were able to connect and and do this episode. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Veronica, for this um, opportunity to also, um, I guess, and tell more people about the Singapore Mediation Convention um, and also about. The- our practice here, my practice here in, in the Asia Pacific. Um, I hope to, uh, still have future collaborations with you or your, your, or your organization or any of your listeners in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, cool. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the mediate.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time.
0: This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.